I sure do appreciate Richard's selection of songs this morning. It's all about praising God. And certainly uh, we are here this morning to praise Him, to magnify and glorify His holy name in our worship service to Him today. And I hope and pray that will be the case. And I hope this message will be one that will help each of us as we strive to continue to be faithful in this life so that one day we will be able to see our Jesus face to face and be able to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And in order for all that to happen, there's something that we must have. And that's patience. And so this morning for a little while we will talk about the subject of patience. And I understand that that's something that most of us need more of. And we need it right now. We don't have time to wait. I need it. I need it right now. The Bible says in Luke chapter 21 verse 19. It says in your patience possess your, ye your souls. The American Standard Version reads like this. In your patience ye shall win your souls. The idea is this. In your steadfastness ye shall save your souls. And so I must have patience in order to save my soul. Patience is important because impatience will make you and others miserable, number one, but it will also damn your soul. And so I don't really have a choice in the matter. I must develop patience in my life. Some people are so patient. Uh, in so many ways, you have been so patient with me over the many years that I've been here. And I thank you for that. But we must develop patience in our lives. I read this quote somewhere. I don't remember exactly whose quote it is. But it went like this. Patience is waiting. Not passively waiting. That's laziness. But to keep going when the going is hard and slow. That is patience. As you know, I'm not one that has a lot of patience when it comes to waiting in lines and waiting on someone. Uh, that's very, very difficult for me to do. I like to be on the move all the time. I've been told uh, several times that when people see me in town, I'm always in a hurry. Well, I don't like to wait. And I will go out of my way to keep from getting in a line. And if I pick a short line, it will still be the longest line. And it drives me crazy. But I know that I am learning patience every day. Now, there are two Greek words that are, def uh, that are translated patience in our New Testament. One is spelled this way. I'm not even going to try to say it. It's M-A-K-R-O-T-H-U-M-E-O. And that word means to be long-spirited. It has to do with forbearing or, or being long-suffering with others, according to Strong's Greek lexicon. An example of it is in Matthew chapter 18, verse 26, when the man's master called his servant to him to receive uh, back what he had put in his trust. And you remember the servant, the Bible says in verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. 
And so that's the idea of being patient with someone else, uh, enduring, just being long-suffering. The other word is spelled H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. Now this word is defined as being cheerful or hopeful, and it has to do with endurance as one goes through the trials and sufferings of this life. An example is found in Romans 5, verse 3, where Paul wrote and he said, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh or produces patience. Webster defined, and this, this actually, that's the word that we're going to be using that's the definition that we're going to be working from as we study this patience is more with us enduring the tribulations and the trials and the difficulties of life. Webster defines patience as being patient, calm endurance. Patient he defines as enduring pain, trouble, etc. without complaining. Calmly tolerating delay, confusion, etc. Thayer defines patience as steadfastness, endurance. In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. In other words, the patience that we're talking about is that we refuse to give up. We refuse to quit because we, are, we have a purpose in life that's to bring glory to God, to live in such a way that one day heaven will be our homes and the homes of others that we're able to contact, influence, and teach. We're not going to give up. We're going to press forward. Yes, there will be trials and tribulations and struggles and hardships. We've already faced many. If you've lived very long at all and you know there'll be more in the future. And especially as the world becomes more and more wicked and corrupt. And we stand up for what's right and good and pleasing in God's sight. There's going to be more hardships that will come our way. But we are to have that patience, that endurance. We are to continue on. We are to keep on Keeping on. So my first point this morning is patience is part of living the Christian life. It's just a part of it. Patience, as you know, is one of those Christian graces that Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 6, he says, and to knowledge patience and to patience uh, and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness. These are things where in we are to be growing, add to your faith, knowledge, and all those things. Well, one of those things on the list that Peter mentioned is patience. What happens if one does not have patience? Well, you know, also in that context, as he mentions all these things that we're to have, and we are to abound, and, and this brotherly love, and kindness, and patience. He says, if we do these things, verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 1 he says wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fall 
So if we have patience, if we add to our faith, temperance, and all those things, if we do this, then we'll not fall. We'll not fall from God's grace. But if we don't add patience, the opposite is true. And so it's extremely important that we have patience. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, Peter wrote, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Got to be careful that we stay steadfast. That we keep on pressing on. That we stay true to the word of God. That we do not give up, quit, turn about, go the other way. But we must continue to be steadfast in Christ Jesus. Christians follow after patience. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow, or another word would be pursue, after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Pursue it. Be long-suffering. Endure to the end of the race. Christians must continue patiently in well-doing. You know, it's easy to start off well after you obey the gospel and you come out of that water. You're a, you're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And you're so zealous and you're so on fire for the Lord. And you, you want to do everything that you can. And you're so busy working and serving and learning and you've got that newness of everything around you but as the years go by you see and experience a lot of things and you can become very discouraged and you can be sidetracked by other things you think the longer you're in Christ, the longer you live the Christian life, the easier it is. In some ways, that's true. But in other ways, it may not be easier. Sometimes it's hard to remain zealous. Sometimes it's hard to remain focused. Sometimes it's hard not to become discouraged. Sometimes there's times when you may just want to throw your hands up and give up or quit or say, what's the use? You have a lot of sadness and heartache as you live in Christ Jesus and you work with so many and you see them fall by the wayside. It's hard. But you can't quit. And as you grow older, it's more difficult to get up in the mornings, prepare yourself, and to be able to be there at services and, and to be engaged in all the works of the church. It becomes more and more difficult, but we cannot give up. Paul said in Romans 2 verse 7, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. You see, if we have that patient continuance, then one day we will receive the glory and the honor that God will give us. And we will have that immortality or we'll have eternal life. But if we don't continue, we'll have eternal damnation. Can't quit. Never give up. We should not even think about ever giving up. That should not be a thought that crosses our mind. If it comes into your mind, 
you've got to push it out of your mind. Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Can't give up. Can't quit. No matter how rocky and rough the road becomes that is ahead of us, we cannot be of those that turn back. We must press on. There's no retirement here in this life when it comes to being a Christian. There's never a time where you can just say, okay, I've done my works, I've done my good deeds, and I think that ought to be enough to get me into heaven, so now I'm going to just kick back and coast. I can just take it easy. But no, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, which means to superabound or to excel, always excelling in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As we get older, we grow tired, don't we? Physically, our bodies are not what they used to be. And we don't have the excitement and enthusiasm many times that we once had. But we can't just kick back and retire. Over the years, many times, I've heard the older members in the church say, well, now we're going to turn it over to the younger members. Now it's their time. Well, you need to always be training the younger. You need to be teaching them how to be teachers and preachers and song leaders and all those things and to go out and serve and help others and do the work of a Christian. But there should never be a time when you should say, okay, we've got everything going well and now I'm going to kick back and retire. No. No. My friend Billy, when someone talks to him and says anything about him going all the time because he's always on the road traveling, going and doing, he's got so much energy and he's so full of life and he's got so much going on. And he said, well, my granddad used to say I can rest when I die. You know, I've thought about that a lot of times. We'll have a time of rest, won't we? But it's not now. Oh, there's so much that needs to be done. There's so much I need to do in my life. There's so many improvements that I need to make on myself. There's so much work that needs to be done by each of us. And if we don't do it, it won't get done. We can't retire. Don't even think about retiring in this life. We have a retirement, but it's not here. Christians with patience must run this race. It's a race. Life is considered and compared to a race. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, the writer says, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Oh, it's a race. You know, there are different types of races. And I, as I watched the Olympics not long ago, I saw those folks running the, the 100 uh, meter race. It was just a dash. It was just a straight race. And it was as fast as you could go from start to the finish. Well, that's one kind of race. And then I saw them run for miles. Other ones. And the old steeplechase, with all we have to jump hurdles and run through water and all these different obstacles in the way. You know, life is really more like that, isn't it? 
for most of us, it's not just a short distance race. It's not something you jump into, they shoot the gun and you run so far and then it's over. It's not like that. No, no. It's not even really smooth like the one mile race where you just go around and lap like four times. No, no. There's all sorts of obstacles in our lives. There are so many difficult and challenging things that we must deal with. And so we have to prepare ourselves as any good runner would for all these obstacles that may appear. And then we must work our way through this obstacle course to make it to the finish line. And for some it's short distance, but for others it's, it's a long distance race. You may have been a Christian already for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, maybe 50 or more years. And you know the, the obstacles that's been on your course. You've got to keep your eyes open and be vigilant. Because the devil, your enemy, is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. He does not want you to be able to successfully run this course. But you've got to. And you know what it takes to run the course? As the writer of Hebrews 12 says, you run this race with patience. That's endurance. Steadfastness. We must finish the race. I like the words of the Apostle Paul as he neared the end of his life. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, he gave some very encouraging words to the young preacher Timothy when he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. You know what his course was? The race of life. He said, I finished my race. And I have kept the faith. Maybe as we near the end of our lives, we would be able to say the same as Paul did. Long distance runners often are tempted to quit the race. Some of them actually do. I saw some in the Olympics. They just cramped up. Their bodies would not go any further. And they just peeled off to the side. Out of the race. The race we are running is for eternal life. And we cannot afford to stop short of the finish line. If we don't develop patience, we will become discouraged and we will quit. Christians must suffer patiently, sometimes for right doing. As Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with about verse 18. 1 Peter 2, 18, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, Suffering wrongfully. That's when it's really hard, isn't it? When you do wrong and you suffer for it, that's bad enough. But when you do good and you suffer? For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That's where we fall short sometimes, isn't it? For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. But what happened to Jesus? How was he treated? 
who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. He was sinless, perfect. And you remember how he was treated? And you remember how he endured? He continued steadfast to do the Father's will. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Yes, we've got to continue. It's easier to suffer for wrongdoing than for rightdoing, but Christ is our perfect example that we are to follow. And he suffered and he endured for being uh, mistreated, for doing good and doing right. My second point is this. Patience is necessary for fruit bearing. And if you spend much time trying to teach the lost, the gospel, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Oh, it takes patience. Servants of the Lord must preach the word, and we preach it, we teach it with great patience. We, we've got to realize that the power is in the seed of the kingdom. Luke eight eleven, the word of God. It's not in us. We plant the seed, water the seed, God gives the increase. But the power is in the seed, in the word of God. And so in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, I mean 2 Timothy actually, 2, verse 24 through 26, again, Paul's writing to the young preacher Timothy, and he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. And then he says, patient. Well, that patient there means enduring of ill. Because, you know, when you start teaching someone what the Bible actually says instead of what they believe it says, sometimes they can get ill with you. They can get angry. I remember one time when I was sitting down studying with a, a deacon in the Baptist church. His wife had been converted while he was offshore working. She had obeyed the gospel. When he got home, he was not happy. But he did agree to study with me because she begged him to. And just as the study was beginning, I didn't get very far into the study, said nothing yet about the church of Christ. He pushes his chair back from the table. He jumps up and he says, I'll tell you one thing. You'll never get me to believe the church of Christ is the only ones going to heaven. And his face was as red as could be. And you know what? That was the end of that study. Because he was so angry, I knew I couldn't study with a man that was in that state of mind. I'm happy to say, not, I'm not happy that he tore up his knee out on the rig, but once he did that, he agreed to study again, and he couldn't get away from me. And he obeyed the gospel of Christ, and is faithful to this day. But at first, he was very ill. You know, you've got to endure that. You see, when he started wearing me out, I just kind of sat there and dropped my head. I didn't try to argue with him. There's no need in it. Not until he wants it will he receive the truth. And so I let him blow off his steam. Then I said, if you ever get ready to study, I didn't do any attacking, then just give me a call. I'll be more than happy to come back. And I packed up my bag and I left and went home. And so 
uh, we have to endure things like that. Look what happened to Stephen in Acts chapter 7. He was stoned to death. So in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy 2, he goes on to say in verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. You see the right attitude in the spirit of meekness? If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who has taken them captive by who have been taken captive by him at his will. You remember over in the parable of the sower or the soils? You remember in, in Luke chapter 8 verse 15, that good soil? Notice, Jesus said, But that on the good soil are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, notice this, and bring forth fruit with patience. Got to have that endurance. Got to be patient. You got to be steadfast. So one must realize since he knows that the power is in the word of God, not in himself. Okay. And God has promised that his word will never return unto him void. It will do what God intended for it to do. Then one must Give the seed time to germinate. You see, a person, once you speak the word of God to someone, you teach someone the word of God, then they have to deal with that. You put truth in their minds that perhaps was not there to start with, but it's in there, and once you've planted the seed and you've gone home and you're doing other things, that seed is still in there, and that person has to make a decision what he's going to do with the Word of God. You've done your part. You plant that seed, and sometimes it may take five, it may take ten or twenty years for that seed to germinate and to produce in that person's heart. One of my instructors said to me, to the class actually, on one occasion, he said, the best you'll ever be is a messenger boy. I thought, wow, that's pretty humbling. But it's true. That's all we are. We're messengers. Our mission is to carry the message to a lost and dying world. The power is in the word. So we must sow the seed and then we must give it some time. You know, a farmer doesn't go out there and break up the ground. Or someone that plants a garden, he doesn't break up the ground and then go out there and poke some seed down in that dirt and cover it up. And then just turn around and think he's going to reap the harvest at the same time. The laws of nature teach us better than that. You plant the seed and then you've got to give it time. You've got to water that seed. You see, But also you remember you prepared the ground first, didn't you? Those good acts and deeds that we do as Christians prepares the hearts to get them ready for the seed. And then we sow the seed in those prepared hearts. And then we water the seed. Others come along, our brothers and sisters, and they say kind things, do kind things, and they may teach some as well. We work together collectively as the family of God, labors together with God. And then we wait for that crop. Well, it's no different. In James 5, verse 7, James said, Be patient, therefore, brethren. Be patient under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long, long patience for it until he received the early 
and latter rain. So we win fruit with patience. Now that fruit, many times we use that to be talking about winning souls, but also there's another fruit. And that's the fruit of the Spirit that we develop in ourselves. We're not what we want to be. We want to keep developing the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the patience, and kindness, and all those things that the Bible speaks of. That's fruit as well that we develop inside ourselves. And so keep growing in the Lord, being more and more like He wants us to be as we go about teaching the lost and sowing the seed, the Word of God, into their hearts. And let's be patient with ourselves and let's be patient with others. Let's not give up. Number three, our patience will be judged by God. Our patience will be judged by God. You know, there, God knows you and He knows me. He knows my strengths and he knows my weaknesses he knows my successes and he knows my failures everything is naked before God he sees it all I can't hide anything from him he knows me better than I know myself and he knows my patience in Revelation chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 this is the section written to the church at Ephesus. And this is what the Lord said to them. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. He said, I know you. I know you. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. And how that thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say that they are apostles and are not. And hast found them liars. And hath borne and hath patient. And for my name's sake hath labored and hath not fainted. He was making judgment on them. He knows me. Am I enduring or am I not? Am I faithful or am I unfaithful? Am I righteous or am I unrighteous? In Revelation chapter 14, John wrote, Verse 12, beginning, he said, Here is the patience of the saints. Here it is. Here are they that kept the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. That's the patience of the saints. They patiently keep the commandments of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ. They stay true to the end and then they rest. And their labors, their works do follow them. I like Isaiah 40 verse 31 where Isaiah wrote, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's steadfastness. We can soar like eagles today. We can run and not faint. You know, I can't run very far anymore out there down the street. I'd run out of breath and, and my body just won't go like it used to. But spiritually, we ought to all be soaring like eagles. Let's not grow weary in well-doing. Let's continue to 
to preach and teach and, and bless those that are around us. And then number four, one must patiently wait for heaven. You got to wait for it. I've heard people on several occasions say things in the church like, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go today. Well, I guess I'm a little selfish. But if a chariot came by from heaven today and said, if you want to go to heaven, get in this chariot, I'll see y'all later. I want to go. I want to do what I can down here to help as many as I can. I want to get uh, things right in my life to make sure that I'm pleasing in God's sight and doing the best that I can, striving to do that. But I tell you what, if God said you can come right now, it'd be hard to turn that off or down, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to. I'd hate to leave my family and, and, and y'all and my loved ones and friends, but you're talking about going to heaven. But it doesn't work like that, does it? No. It doesn't happen like that. Without patience, one will not see heaven. Hebrews 10, verse 36, and also verse 39, the writer says, For ye have need of patience, endurance, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That promise, I believe, is the promise of 1 John 2, verse 25, where the Bible says, And this is the promise which He has promised us, even eternal life. You know, we've obeyed the gospel, and hopefully we're walking in the light, and and we would love to receive that promise now, but, but the Bible teaches you've got to wait. You've got to wait. It's there. It's the goal of the soul. That's what we desire. But it's yet in the future. You remember when Jesus was asked by his disciples when they came to him and said, You know, we've, we've forsaken all. We've left this, 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 and that for thee. What's in it for us? And he said, You remember in this life a hundredfold, brothers and sisters, and on and on and on. But then in Mark uh, 10, verse 30, he said, At the end of that, he said, And in the world to come, eternal life. We don't actually have it now. We have it in hope and promise and prospect, but we don't actually have it in reality. But we must wait for it. It's there. It's waiting on us, but we've got to wait for that time. We must do it patiently. As Paul said in Romans 8, verse 25, he said, For if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Oh, it's so terribly sad. To see those who once was in Christ Jesus living the faithful Christian life. And then somewhere along the way, see them as they turn their backs away from God. Many look back into the ways of the world and they really miss the things that they once enjoyed. And they turn back to those things. Peter talks about that in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20 through uh, 22. 
how sad it is to see that happen. But we've seen it on more occasions than we would like to admit. You know, there's only going to be a few that will be saved. The majority will be lost. How sad it is to realize that at one time this building was packed. And now look at us. You've got to continue to the end. You've got to be patient. You've got to wait for that time when heaven will be yours. Let us, let patience have its perfect work with us as we wait. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, James says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Now remember, the church is under severe persecution at this time. They're suffering for the cause of Christ. They're doing right, but being persecuted for doing that which is right. My beloved, my, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations or divers' persecutions. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Your faith is being tried. That trial of your faith works patience. In other words, when you're being hammered, if you hang in there, that's patience. If you quit, that's not patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so what he's saying there is, the work of patience, is it makes you a mature Christian. You're going to face these trials and tribulations and persecutions and difficulties. But every time you succeed and you make it through, you, you make it by another hurdle, you jump another hurdle, you, you, you take another obstacle and you make it past that obstacle, that's you're enduring and your faith is growing and you're being patient. You've got to keep doing that to the end. May God help us to be more like Job. Anytime I want to have a pity party, I want to say, oh, I've got it so bad. Nobody's ever had it as bad as I have it and no one knows what I'm going through. You can just go on and on and on. You can make yourself believe all sorts of things. But then I think about what happened to Job. A righteous man of God. You know, his friends came to him, those wonderful friends. And they said, you know, Job, here's your problem. You've committed sin and God's punishing you for it. That's why you've lost everything that you had, all your wealth. You lost your family. Your wife's turned her back on you. And now look at you. You're miserable. Your body is filled with maggots. You can't even hardly be recognized. Repent of your sin, Job. All the while, it was not because of sin. It was Satan behind all of that. He lost it. And you remember his words, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He thought maybe God was doing those things to him, but he said, even if he takes my life, I'm going to trust in him. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to endure to the end. So James writes about this great man of God, this man of, of endurance and patience, and he says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Continue on. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, 
and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The Lord is full of pity and kindness. And we've seen the end of that because you remember when you get to the end of the book of Job, God doubles everything that Satan took away from him. Doubled it. Well, you see, we may lose some things in this life. We may have to give up some things. But I'll promise you this. If you will endure to the end, be faithful to the end of your life, God will make it worth your while. He not only blesses you in this life, but He will bless you abundantly in the life that is yet to come. If you're here this morning and you want to live in that land where there's no persecution, trials, or tribulations, you've got to live this life fully to the end. Don't give up. If you have to stand all alone and by yourself, you do that. Job did it. You can do it. And then at the end of this life, He will give you that home in heaven where He will be, His Son, the Holy Spirit, the mighty angels, and the redeemed of all ages to live in eternity. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so by believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. And then be faithful, run that obstacle course. Run it to the best of your ability. And when you run off the track or you stumble and fall, get back up and go some more. Don't quit. Cross the finish line faithfully. If you're here and you need to respond, won't you come as together we stand and sing. Oh, heart, bound down with sorrow, oh, eyes, that long for sight, there's gladness in belief.